episode 72 we had a game last night i'm your host primetime ali i'm joined by my co-hosts alex and andrew we got a game to discuss boys but before we get into that i want to make sure to remind everyone to drop us a follow on our instagram and tiktok pages wingin.it.pod as well as follow our youtube page uh, winging it and Eagles podcast and please drop us a follow on Spotify as well as Apple podcast so that you do not miss episodes when they come out boys we had a hell of a game last night some people are calling this the game of the year some people are calling this Rocky 2 <laughs> what are your thoughts about this Andrew I, I mean you sent us a text message last night basically talking about your your emotions and what you went through this game Walk me through how you felt, and then we'll kick it over to Alex, because he was actually at the game. I want to hear how all of this went. Dude, I felt as good as you look in those glasses. I felt, Hell yeah. Dude, 10-1, and one, like 9-1, and one, when I say that, I would get some chills, and then 10-1 and one is like, yo, this this, this is like, this that's that's championship stuff right there. Um, and I also, when we were in overtime, I'm like, there's no chance that this game ends in a tie, because that would make our record 9-1-1. I'm like, there's no chance that we're going to be seeing that under the, e-. although that's what the other teams are going to be need to be calling when they when they step against this Eagles team. Maybe Brock Purdy's going to have some trouble coming up. But dude, it's uh, it's unreal. I mean, I think that, and it, I, I'll be shocked if we don't bring up the words Jalen Hurts and MVP at all in this conversation today, but um to again be down by 10 points at halftime and uh, dude I don't know about you Alex this game felt like a compl- almost a repeat of last week's game but I know you were down there and I felt just so happy for every Eagles fan that could be there to watch <laughs> us end up winning that game because it could have gone it could have gone a few different ways and what a celebration it must have been yeah, I mean, listen, th- these Kelly Green games are just a spectacle, man. Um, it- it's insane just how much the Eagles fans dish out just to represent what they're what the what the players are wearing on the field. So many Kelly Green jackets, so many vintage things. A lot of like older people bringing out actual vintage. Like I see a lot of like pro line and starter brand stuff that like you know in the back of the closet for a while. I'm not gonna lie though. Going into the half, I thought this episode was going to be titled Cold, Wet, and Embarrassing. <laughs> I think we should change it to Cold, Wet, and Menacing. What Ooh. a freaking way to end that game. Um, you know, I can go into the whole experience. You've been to the link. It was cold. The rain was awful. Shout out to my wife, by the way. There's two things that she hates. It's being cold and she hates the rain. <laughs> um, we sat out there the whole first half, went in at the second half. And then at the two-minute warning, she's like, grab your poncho. We're going back out there. <laughs> my so, she, so, so shout out to her um, for, for being able to, um, to, to, to weather the elements. And, and you know what? We went home. We were soaking wet. Our, our socks were soaked. But, man, we had a smile on our face. And it was funny. Uh, walking back to the car, I just said, man, this, just, this attitude would have just felt totally different if we lost walking in the rain. But walking out, 
so many Eagles chants. I don't think I've ever seen a reaction from a, from a crowd that excited um, after a game before. The, the place was just freaking electric. Josh Allen, 0-6 now in overtime. I know some. Of, I know about half of that's probably due to Patrick Mahomes, but uh, Ali, if anything, it just plays into your. Um, you're not a fan of Josh Allen, and so this plays very well into that. I think. You know, Josh Allen. I got to give him credit, man. The guy looked like Superman yesterday. He played a hell of a game, and aside from that one turnover that he that he threw to James Bradbury, which I feel like was slightly underthrown on on any given day, he could have probably made that throw. And when they asked him afterwards the the option route that he missed with Gabe Davis in overtime that could have won the game, like what happened? And Josh Allen was like, I guessed wrong. And then they asked Gabe Davis the same thing. And Gabe Davis said, I guessed wrong. So the ball kind of bounced our way in those situations. But aside from those two plays, Josh Allen had himself a day last night against our defensive secondary. And obviously we're going to get up to, to what went wrong in this game. But frankly, I don't care. The guy's Carson Wentz for all I Alex care. Just gave, Alex just gave such a hard nod, so I'm curious. I, I, I want to give a precursor before we get up into two up, two down, and this actually came from my wife as well, so I'm just, I am just all on, on the train this morning, but here's what I need to say about that, the ball bouncing our side, okay? Quote, I am so tired of reading that the Eagles are lucky. Luck is where opportunity and hard work meet. The Eagles have effing talent. They work hard. They outperform their their opponents and they win. The opposing team missing wide open receptions isn't the Eagles being lucky. It's the other team lacking in talent, or as you said, Ali, guessing. The amount of uh, crappy, (laughs) not crappy, but the amount of crappy calls the Eagles had to overcome also isn't lucky. Hurts running a touchdown isn't lucky. Smith catching a deep ball isn't lucky. Swift breaking for a 30-yard gain when it mattered the most isn't lucky. Elliott making a 58-yard field goal in the rain isn't lucky either. This team has talent. They work hard. They take advantage of their opportunities, and they kick ass. Well, this has been Episode 72 of Winging a Podcast. I hope everyone had a great time, and we will see you. Dude, that is – and one more thing I'll add to that, Alex, is that being able to successfully run the tush push like nobody else in the league is not lucky. You know what I mean? Start – respecting the eagles we are the gauntlet all right we're gonna do something a little bit different today we're gonna do alex and ali's two up two down and andrew's gonna provide commentary alex and andrew's ali two up two down all right guys oh just love that music love love that love that segment music um it's pretty crazy because I think heading into the half, we definitely had a lot of downs that we needed to talk about. And now there's a lot of ups here. The first one is a gentleman by the name of Jake Elliott. Oh my freaking God. What a clutch performance. And he just doesn't miss. Now, one thing I do want to call out is I actually was full. I was fully expecting them to go for it on fourth down. The rain was coming down hard. It was windy, and the wind did blow in our direction to a little bit, but it was gusting. It was swirling around the stadium. To make a kick like that in such a clutch performance when the offense gave up was like two false starts on that last drive to come in and kick that field goal was in-freaking-credible. I cannot get, I cannot even begin to say how many times Jake Elliott has costed us um, – has been the reason we won a game versus the reason – that we lost a game. 
Um, stellar performance. The guy is just absolute clutch. The second up that I'm going to give is it's a little bit, uh, you know, what we're going to talk about here. I want to get into the MVP conversation. Hurts again, delivering when he had to. I felt so pessimistic during this game. And when I saw that Josh Allen missed that pass to Gabe Davis and they kick a field goal, Hurts is getting the ball. I said, it's going to happen. And then the funny thing, it's almost poetic at the end of the game. What is the one play that did not work the entire Eagles game? The whole entire game, it didn't work. What was that play, guys? Quarterback draw. Quarterback draw. And screen pass to Julio Jones. That was awful, Drew. That was awful. I literally thought of you when that happened. I was like, Drew is probably throwing his poor dog at the TV right now. Accurate. We're at the 15-yard line. First and goal, DeAndre Swift, big run. I turn around to the guys behind me and say, this is when the quarterback draw is going to pay off. Sure as hell, I have video cameras in my face from the phone. Like, this guy called it. He called it. Blah, blah, blah. Going nuts. Almost crowd surfing up there into there. Almost poetic end to the game. Jalen Hurts puts the team on his shoulders again. Five touchdowns that game to send us into W. Guys, if I don't sound freaking excited, I'm sure it is carrying through this microphone. I am freaking amped right now. Alex just ripped his shirt off like the Hulk in a fit <laughs> of excited rage. Oh my! So I, to your point on Jake Elliott, that uh, just complete ice in his veins. I don't know if there's a more clutch kicker from 50 and beyond. Uh, you know, I'd have to maybe go look back at maybe Adam Vinatieri winning all of those game winners for the Patriots back. Justin in the Tucker's day. starting to miss him now too. Justin Tucker missing, and you notice that mm-hmm. they're all, the misses always tend to come when they they look more like chip shots, and that's something that's been uh, kind of an Achilles heel for Jake Elliott is missing these like 35 yarders or sometimes even missing extra points. But when it's 50 or more, my man drills it. I will say the reason that they didn't go for it on fourth down is probably because they were, it was fourth and 17. And if you're fourth and 17 and you have a kicker who has shown the ability to kick from 60 plus, hopefully he's just wearing really good cleats. Hopefully he's got really good traction. He's not going to slip and fall and he gets a good piece of the ball. It was a line drive. It looked like it might've been hooking right a little bit, but doesn't matter. Wow. Good teams. Again, that's not lucky. It's finding a way. Uh, Jalen Hurts, to your point, he finishes the, he goes 18 for 31, only 200 yards, but I got to believe the majority of that came in the second half. Finishes with three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, uh, one interception, whatever, slap on the wrist. Um, you know, my man is just, is just uh, making such a strong case for actually bringing home that MVP award this year. So him winning that game by running it in to me was just like that is exactly what needs to happen in order for him to win this thing. So, uh, Ali, I'm going to send it to you now. Two ups. Yeah, let me just respond to Alex's uh, comment about Jalen Hurts because I posted a reel on our Instagram page last night that's gotten a bunch of engagement. And I want to emphasize why I truly feel like Jalen Hurts is the MVP of this season. Um, So his first half stats, he was 4 of 11 for 33 yards and one interception. He had a 7 quarterback rating in the first half. His second half quarterback rating was 134.8. So far, when trailing in the second half this season, Jalen Hurts has 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a 136.6 quarterback rating, all first in the NFL, by the way. So the guy, again, he plays his best when he's down. The first through the third quarters of this game, Jalen Hurts was 8 for 16, 83 yards, He threw one touchdown and one interception. The fourth quarter in overtime, he was 10 for 15, 117 yards, two touchdowns. 
He ran 22 yards in the first of the third quarters, and he ran 43 yards in the fourth quarter in overtime. One rushing touchdown the first three quarters, one rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter overtime. The guy knows when to show up. I, 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 you know, we're going to get to the downs here because I've got a, a pretty big beef um, with, with how this game started off, right? But how this guy responds to adversity, how this guy responds to when things are going right. Alex, I texted you yesterday. The camera panned over to Jalen Hurts after Jake Elliott made that field goal. And the guy was like, just, just kind of shaking his head and just like, you know, no facial expression whatsoever. He is constantly cool. His blood pressure never elevates. His pulse is always the same. The guy has ice running through his veins. And I love, love, love the fact that he is our quarterback for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I I do too. And I want to talk about this really quick. Um, I, I do love that he's our quarterback. I love that he's winning. He's setting records. He's doing everything. But the MVP conversation is a little bit weird. Listen, I think every single fan in the world would agree to say, yeah, I'd rather have a Super Bowl than an MVP. No one's like, ah, we lost a Super Bowl, but at least we have the MVP. So to me, MVP is secondary. It's just like a little nice icing on the cake, and it creates a lot of you know conversation amongst the fan groups, and it's really good for sports analysts like ourselves. But it's not really anything, in my opinion, that is like the end-all, be-all in, in, in an award. It's it, it's interesting though. If you actually look at Jalen Hurts in a vacuum, it's it's tough to even say that he is MVP of the league if you don't compare it to anyone else. I mean, he's tied for fourth in interceptions. Josh Allen's number one after last night. He's tenth in passing touchdowns. He's made some really bad overall. Um, you know, he's had some bad overall play. Like you said, it took three quarters for him to actually start turning it on, and then when he needs to show up, he does. And I think he actually has had some pretty questionable decision making. Not to you know, not to even like add some of the obvious things like last year when he won second, I think like by week three, he already eclipsed his, his interception rating from last year. Like, right. That, that's pretty pathetic. But on the other side of it though, if you actually look at the landscape of the league, I mean, who else could be MVP? It, it's not going to be Mahomes, Allen or Burrow. There's no skill position, maybe Tyree kill, but Tyree kill has even had a few bad weeks. Uh, even the Eagles shut him down. So it's like, really, who does that leave? And like Lamar, at the end of- Lamar Jackson. But Lamar didn't even look good last night against the against the Chargers. Like I, I, I just I, I don't think Lamar is fine. And Lamar can have his Madden title and his uh, his Madden covers and and whatnot. And Allen can have all of that. But at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts is carrying a football team. Uh, he's beaten the most I think thirteen consecutive teams over five hundred. So the easy schedule and the you you play who you play uh, argument is 14. totally null and void. 14 that's so seconds. that's so 2022 it's it's but it's null and void it's totally null and void yeah. if, if you bring up ease of schedule you're, you you don't know the sport and he's leading the team to the best 10 and one record so who does that who does that leave brock purdy now we're going to talk about san francisco but brock purdy is the definition of a system quarterback and san francisco finally found a quick decision maker but he's not he's not he's not that guy it's not dak it, it, I, I don't know who else it is so like the argument is there is like yeah it probably is jalen hurts if the season ended today but you know Quick, what? Yeah. L- let me let me just respond to that piece, and I'll go over to you, Drew. So I looked up the these uh, these stats this morning as far as where Jalen Hurts was after eleven games last season and where he is now. So Jalen Hurts has a higher completion percentage 10, mm. 11 games into the season. He's got more yards thrown eleven games into the season, more touchdowns thrown. He's got more interceptions. Really? Obviously, he's got seven seven touchdown or seven interceptions more at this point in the season versus last point in the season. He also has more rushing touchdowns at this point in the season versus mm. last year. 
And to that point on rushing touchdowns, exactly what I was going to say. Uh, first quarterback in NFL history to have three consecutive seasons of 10 or more rushing touchdowns. And he's already hit that 10 mark with almost a half a season left to go. It's yeah, he's got 11 now because that overtime touchdown. That's right. That's right. Great yeah. call. All right, guys. Hey, we're running a little bit behind. So Ali, give us your ups. All right. So my ups are number one, DeAndre Swift, right? Mm-hmm. The guy, the man. Uh, the man, the man. First half, he had three carries, seven yards. Second half, he had 11 carries for 73 yards. If you just give this guy the opportunity to run the football, I have not seen this level of patience since LaShawn McCoy in our backfield. The guy knows exactly where to go with the football. He knows exactly where to rush. And I I don't know why we don't feed him the ball more early in the offense. No, the game's starting off. Let's give it to Boston Scott and give it to Julio Jones on a third and 14 (laughs) on a screen pass. That's a great strategy there. Boston Scott and Julio Jones. Insane. Just as my blood pressure was doing okay. You, you had to go there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> my second up is Devontae Smith. The guy last night ended the game with yes. seven receptions, 106 yards, and a touchdown when it was incredibly clutch. Jalen Hurts threw him a dot in the back of the end zone. He climbs up, catches the football, And it was a perfect, perfect play. This is a guy we talked about last week. He continues to show up for us, continues to produce. He's not like any type of like angry or or sort of like braggadocious personality. He is just the guy that shows up and he's your workhorse when you need him the most. Again, love the fact that he's on our team. Love that he continues to produce in the biggest moments of the game. What do you think, Drew? I think DeAndre Swift. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, (laughs) Next question. Um, DeAndre Swift, much like last week, you needed to rely on somebody to have an explosive play. And there he is again, a 36-yard run that just really helped shift the dynamic of the football game. Last week, it was so frustrating because he had multiple plays of 20 yards or more, and it just felt like, why are we not involving him enough? And, you know, again, the first half, they they were not involving him. And then the second half, he makes a huge play and it really helps shift the dynamic. So that's why he's here. You know, you have a running back who's explosive and can literally change the dynamic of a game with one big run. And to your point, he is exactly he reminds me so much of Shady, that patience, that his his ability to shift, but then also just to hit a hole and pick up seven yards like it's nothing is all you can ask for out of your running back. I want to see more than 14 carries. Maybe some of that is from just playing from behind and, and getting away from the run, but some of it might also be our offensive coordinator, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Uh, my And to Devontae Smith, again, I mean, A.J. Brown, again, had a, had a very a, a quieter game for A.J. A.J. had five catches for 37 yards. He had a touchdown, um, but Devontae Smith, seven for 106 mm. and a touchdown. Um, you know, Good this for is, him, man. Good for him. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, love it. And, and the last thing, I, I mean, I, I, what more do we need to say about Devontae? He would be a number one receiver anywhere yep. else, and we have him as our number two, so we're spoiled as always. Uh, the one act, extra thing I want to add, though, is that Quez Watkins would not have caught the ball that Zacchaeus caught in the end no. zone. Quez Watkins would have not made that play. I don't think Zacchaeus is going to ever light the world on fire, but as, as just being your third receiver, my man's made enough plays this year where I am. I like him. I do. I like Mm -hmm. him. And, uh, that ball that Jalen threw just running the opposite way, buying as much time as possible, planning the feet. And then I don't know how that ball fit into Zacchaeus's hands. There were two other defenders there and it was just, absolute perfect placement so you know just another another 
So really, really, yeah. fu- really funny uh, comment on that. Not like anyone's going to care about this, but when we were inside watching the game and they were coming down to outside the field, I turned to Sam and I said, Hey, like, I think they're going to be in our end zone. So I ran outside right at the corner, right at the back pylon where Zacchaeus caught that. <laughs> and it was like an insane highlight. Cause even the security guards that are usually saying, Hey, is this your section or whatever? They were in the stands eating with the fans. They weren't, they weren't <laughs> monitoring anything. So we're all out underneath under this concourse right there at the corner pylon at the corner tunnel right there. And I saw that happen right in front of me. It was freaking nuts, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Ali, let's get into the downs. Yeah. So my first down, uh, big surprise, Brian Johnson. Um, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. the fact Wait. that we only <laughs> really? had <laughs> the fact that we only had three carries for De- DeAndre Swift in the first half is criminal to me. We were bum, over, bum, four, bum, bum. over four on third downs. Um, the Bills... <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. The Bills had 48 plays that they ran in the first half. 48 plays. There are games when the Eagles have 48 plays the entire game. The Bills ran 48 plays because our offense couldn't get it together. And the Eagles had 26 plays on offense. Our time of possession uh, was 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Oh, crap. At, and then time of possession for the Bills was 1910. Um, my second down is our defensive secondary. I think Josh Allen, um, you know, he he frankly he torched us. Um, the guy had 500 yards of total offense. He accounted for over 400 yards of them. They converted 10 third downs and they won the turnover battle. By the way, those stats that I just gave right now, if a team has over 500 yards has 10 for t- third down conversions and wins the turnover battle. They are undefeated in the history <laughs> since the merger of the NFL and the AFL. They are undefeated until last night. The Bills had that, and it was because of our defensive secondary. Wow. That is an insane stat. We always find a way. It's Holy unreal. Crap. Holy crap. <laughs> um, Drew, what do you think about those? Yeah, I would have... Um, I, I would have been highly confused... If you did not bring up Brian Johnson, because that's all I could think in the back of my mind is like, I know Ali, Ali's just going to crap again. I wanted to use an expletive, but Ali's going to crap all over this guy. And rightfully so. Uh, it's really confusing. You know, it, it, I don't want to discredit the defenses that we're going against. Uh, the Chiefs, like we spoke about, a very underrated defense and the Bills are a good defense as well. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to discredit them by saying they're not doing things on their end that are making things difficult for the Eagles to get any sort of movement or any kind of consistency. It's just weird that in two weeks in a row, we look like we are completely inept offensively, but then when we need to finally start putting some drives together at the end of the di- at the end of the game, everything changes. So I don't know if that's offensive coordinator. I don't know if that's just adapting as the as the game goes on. So like I want to give Brian Johnson every opportunity, but then I also heard today that Frank Reich got fired as head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and all I can think is, man, would that be great for him to be our our offensive coordinator again? <laughs> mm. um, so, so yeah, Brian Johnson, man, the jury is still out. It's amazing that we're 10 and one and we still just want to beat this guy up. But like, yeah, it's, it's hard when, when you see just like completely stagnant offense. Um, and then, uh, the, the defensive secondary, you know, I think I saw Bayard make a couple of plays and I, I I'm really confident in him covering tight ends. It seems like he's physical enough to, to, to really body up with these tight ends, but 
when you're giving up 500 yards of of total offense, that's really, you know, that says something about uh, what, what your defense is, is unable to do. Um, Alex, any anything you want, you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because it was a rain game, but I don't think Josh Allen had any of those on uh, on brand deep targets made last night. Like he really, there, there was one I think in the fourth quarter. Um, where he slung it up, and I think that was to Gabe Davis, uh, not on the sideline, but there was another one that he had, like a you know, it was it was a pretty deep throw. But I felt that our our defensive secondary did okay. I thought the scheme was a little bit odd because they were playing off and they were playing man on the outside, so it's really easy to beat man coverage with just a little quick out route, right? And just and making sure that they're they're covering the the deep part. So we gave him a lot of shorter yards. Um, Ali's looking like he's about to open up a stat and he's about to completely blow up my argument. So I'm ready for it. Oh yeah, he's ready. <laughs> Damn, just go for it. I'm not even going to talk. Yeah, yeah, go. So Josh Allen per completion had about 11.7 yards. Okay. But I, if, I think... if you're getting a first down every time you complete yeah. a pass, like yeah. that is not okay. a good look okay. on your secondary. Okay. All right. What do you think of him going 29 for 51? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, he threw the ball away several times. Um, it was a rainy game. So, like, I would anticipate that if the weather was a little bit better, he would have had more success in his completion percentage. It was also an overtime game. So, he he was throwing, he was slinging the ball quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I just look at the, the stats of 339 yards, two touchdowns, and interception, like, his completion yards per completion is just off the charts. I I, yeah. I would almost you know bet that if we were to look at all of the other quarterback performance and we looked at yards per completion as a stat, he would Brock be Purdy, up there at least Brock in the top Purdy, five. Brock Purdy leads that stat, believe it or not. Yeah, that makes I was sense. Lo- I was looking at it today. Yeah, which is we're we're going to get into that because uh, <laughs> I'm I will say though that a win takes so much freaking pressure off of what Sunday needs to happen. If we lost this game. I felt like Sunday upcoming is going to be a must win. I can't wait. I can't wait to have a whole episode on that on Thursday. Oh yeah. Let me get, let, let me get into my down. Speaking of Josh Allen. Um, I'm not a big fan of Josh Allen anymore. I used to like him. He's like Bill's mafia. I think he got a little bit big headed. I don't like that. He's taunting our crowd. You see uh, Bill's players fighting with Eagles fans. I'm sure everyone saw that video on, mm-hmm. on social media. I'm pretty convinced that Josh Allen has a new sponsor and it's Johnson and Johnson's baby oil. We just <laughs> could not get this guy down yesterday. Right? And it's it's interesting because um, I almost felt like he was looking like he was going to give himself up. And there's so much attention on how you have to hit a quarterback nowadays um, that people were almost like letting up on it. Um, but even besides that, in the pocket, there was multiple times we had him dead to rights. We had a hand on him. And I do think with a quarterback like Brock Purdy, who's literally like 120 pounds soaking wet, that's an easy easy way to bring down a, a quarterback but Josh Allen and he's proved this it's not just the Eagles that is like a huge asset that that the Bills have is he's just so such a big body he's so elusive he's slippery he's quick he can juke he had you know half of our guys on their ass trucking over people scoring touchdowns um it was it was so frustrating to to watch him get taken down my second down is going to be NFL officiating as a whole, um, especially in the overtime, right? I understand the horse collar tackle that wasn't called on Hassan Reddick. When you actually look up the rule of what a horse collar tackle is, that's why it wasn't called. Um, 
where he grabbed behind the line of scrimmage near the sideline. These actually all play into what a horse collar tackle means. And the intentional grounding was, was, was a good call specifically a roughing the passer call in overtime. Now, listen, I know roughing the passer has had a lot of scrutiny over the years. There's a lot of people that make videos about it, but in an overtime period, I just feel like it's so crucial that you really just have to let the people play. You have to let some of those things get down to it. And we see it all the time. On almost every Hail Mary that you see in the NFL, there's usually always some sort of pass interference that's going on. In the Super Bowl, when Tom Brady got it down the field, we were all over their receivers because that's the play. That's the moment. You have to out-tough the other guy. And we're not going to leave it up to pass interference on the last well, ball of the game. I feel like it's almost a blind, a blind eye to that. I thought you were going to allude to last year's Super Bowl because to that point, why did they call that penalty on Bradbury when you're well, at that was that a holding week? call. You know, I, I agree with you, yeah. here, but I'm talking about literally the last play of the game, zero, zero, zero is on the clock. Right. And, right, and, right. and but, and, and that is kind of my point that roughing the passer call was not roughing the passer. We all know it wasn't roughing the passer, but the thing that heightened that is that it came in such a crucial moment where the first team gets the ball, scores a touch on the game's over. Yep. You have to have some discretion on that. You have to be able to say no, like, that is not clear and agreed. Just like a 15-yard penalty should be something that everyone is throwing their hands up and saying what. And I think you can even turn a blind eye to some of that stuff in an overtime rule. The NFL refs have been so – it's like the limelight is on them or it's like almost like they're like paid to like make games look a little bit closer because the NFL product this year isn't as good as it has been in the past. There right? aren't any juggernaut teams. So we're just going to make these games look closer to help sell us more seats. I would like to think that's not true. I'm going to get off of this point in a second, but in such a crucial moment, I just, I, I, I was furious. I'm like, I'm watching this here and like this just, just should not be happening right now. And that's one more reason that the Eagles are not lucky because they're able to overcome an overtime poor officiating call and send Josh Allen to Owen six all time in overtime, despite them calling a penalty to get them further into field goal range. Thank God we just held them to a field goal so that we could keep the game alive. But um, yeah, Alex, I totally agree, man. Uh, with 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 officiating is such a difficult thing because it is so, um, I guess, subjective. Um, in a, in a certain case, I, I was glad that they at least ruled the AJ Brown fumble an incompletion. That way, when they went back to review it, you know, if it was inconclusive, at least the play would would stand um, as an yeah. incomplete pass because that that did look like a close one. But I think the officials got it right. But it really is these these moments down the stretch where you gotta let some things go because the officials don't have more power than the game itself, and that is exactly what it feels like when both teams bust their ask the entire game and then basically what it comes down to is just like a call that you pr really probably could have let slide so um i think that was a great one and uh i'm trying to think what your what was your the first down that you, just the, you brought up i mean it was it was josh allen being covered in baby yeah. oil but really it's just the tackling all around was was yeah. really bad I want to. I did want to add to that that um, I'm only seeing one sack here on on the box score, and that would make two wow. straight weeks of only recording one wow. sack, which is where we, that's where we make our pay dirt. And so, we had him, man. We we had him dead to rights a few times. One sack. I did not. I actually did not even see that. It's wild. One sack, but we also did get a uh, a Jalen Carter field goal deflection, uh, helping him go to nine and zero. As he was really far, he was. 
he was no, right. He was really far on the left side there. That may have missed without the uh, without the tip, I think. But we'll 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 give it to Jalen Carter. I, in the words of Kanye West, I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I guess uh, we'll never know. <laughs> so uh, Alex, your your point about Josh Allen. Um, so he's actually the least sacked quarterback in the NFL this year. Um, I'm not sure how, how last week has, has kind of like updated those stats, but at least coming into this past week, he was the least sacked quarterback. Um, and I, I stand by my initial comment earlier in this episode. I think Josh Allen had himself one of his best games of his career. Unfortunately for him, it ended up in a loss. Um, and it was because he put so much of the game on his back, um, to your second down, Honestly, I, I completely agree as far as like the roughing the passer penalty, especially because of how elusive Josh Allen was all game that a little shove all of a sudden he's like parallel with the ground falling flat on his back. Like, come on, refs! like there's got to be some like situational context that you've got to like discern from from what you're seeing here, which is this guy has been incredibly difficult to take down. He's had arms on him. Hassan Reddick almost ripped his jersey off before he's able to finally bring him down. And you're telling me that Nicholas Morrow giving him a little shove is going to put him on his back. Like that is like, it's, it's taking advantage of the rule for your benefit, right? A lot of people are talking about the tush push, like being something that's cheap, like a quarterback flopping on his back and acting like that is cheap in my mind. Mm -hmm. It's taking advantage of the rule, which is designed to protect quarterbacks, and it's trying to take the advantage back to the offense. Yeah, another thing too is like I feel like some of these quarterbacks, they they, they get these calls. I mean, I'm at a point where I can't stand Patrick Mahomes. Amen. He's just a whiny baby who's pointing and wants a flag at the end of every single game. I don't every even play. hear I don't even hear his mic'd up moments anymore. Like I just feel like it's just him like Fly, I, I'm trying to do a Kermit the Frog voice. Oh, come on, ref. Yeah, oh, come on. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. trying. My, why can't you? You didn't see that? You just knocked me right on my rear end. Yeah. yeah so, like, it, but we home. see that. And then, like, what I'm watching last night. But what, but what, what, what I'm watching last night is Josh Allen in the deliberation with the refs, in the huddle with them, running out to them after the play almost every single time. Jalen Hurts does not do that. I hardly ever see Jalen Hurts with his hands in the air. The only time he did last night was when his hand was definitely moving forward. He's like, hey, no, 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 no. Hand was moving forward. And I totally understand, like, the Devontae Smith catch and or was it A.J. Brown catch and potential fumble. He's like, hey, like, come on, guys. But that's it. He's not talking to the ref saying, give me this call, give me this call. I've, I've, I've done this before. Um, so I think that's also why I'm, I'm, I'm starting to not like Josh Allen so much anymore, but, um, it does feel that they get into the ear of these refs and make them second guess their calls, which gives them favor in some of the other late night, uh, later calls in the game to make up for what they think they missed before. Yeah. I will push back a little bit on you, Ali. For I know you said that this is one of Josh Allen's best games that he's had in his career. And maybe that's true, but I think that what we saw yesterday out of Josh Allen is a lot of the Josh Allen that we've seen last year and the year before. We haven't seen it much this year, so definitely, most likely, his his best game of this season. Uh, and, and you know, the reason that he is the least sacked quarterback is because he's six foot five. He's two hundred and forty pounds. He can probably run a faster forty than ninety five percent of the other quarterbacks. So the reality is, is that this is an extremely difficult guy to tackle. Like I remember McNabb being extremely hard to tackle because he's. He was strong and he was husky, but this guy's got another couple of inches. So you really have to jump up on his back and or, or really just try to take out his legs. Um, but Josh Allen is somebody who has shown the ability to throw for 400, throw for 500 yards in games. 
Um, and obviously his slipperiness, his elusiveness, his ability to run as that dual threat is just, uh, that's what makes him his ceiling so high. Um, so definitely want to, want to just try to give Josh Allen a little bit of credit, despite being annoyed by his antics and definitely Patrick Mahomes antics. Um, yeah. Well, what else we got guys before, before we wrap things up. So last night, as I was watching the, uh, LA chargers, uh, put on that debacle of a show against the Baltimore Ravens, um, Jason Garrett, which by the way, Jason Garrett needs to be the the host commentator instead of Chris Collinsworth. I enjoyed that Sunday night football game way more than I've enjoyed the the love fest that Chris Collinsworth gives to media. Can he do it more than, can he be, can he take over Tony Romo's spot? I can't stand that fool. I know I've mentioned that before that he sucks. He tries to be funny all the time. Like it'll go to him and Jim Nance and like he tries to make a little joke and it's just, again, it just sounds like you need to get rid of the Fleming or, or just anyway. the audible sounds from, oh, uh, 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 oh my God, Jim. Oh my God, uh, Jim. It's uh, happening, Jim. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, I, I, I never thought I'd say this, but the voice of reason last night was Jason Garrett. When he said <laughs> <laughs> almost two thirds of NFL games this season have been decided by one score or less. That's a really surprising statistic. Number one, there are no juggernaut teams. I think when we look at last year and how how well we were able to run over teams, it is truly that championship pedigree where you are evenly matched against your opponent to be able to, frankly, survive them, right? To be able to, to win out in a game that's close. Um, so the fact that we have been in so many one score or less games this season I was a little worried about it, but when I look at the rest of the NFL, you know, we've kind of stayed the same in our level of talent on offense. Everyone else has gotten better and we're still finding ways to win. I think that is our identity this season. We've always talked about like, are we a run team? Are we a pass team? We are the team that finds a way to win. And that is the identity of the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. And Jalen Hurts. It is. It is so exciting. I'm also really happy. We have two Kelly Green games that are going to happen this year. They're both with W's and we have a lot of cool clips we're going to see for the next several decades. Hmm. As long as this thing goes, Um, I could literally talk about our feelings and thoughts from the game, but uh, 10 and one in spirit of (laughs) in spirit of keeping this uh, concise and clear for our listeners. Thank you so much for winging it with us on episode 72. We have a doozy of a game coming up on Sunday NFC championship rematch against the 49ers back at the link. I think it's a 425 game Um, takes a lot of pressure off, but boy, is it going to be a game? The Philadelphia Eagles have opened up as a one and a half point underdog. So from everyone from the 2017 season, get your dog masks out and make sure that we are going to let those analysts and let the Vegas sports book pay for them, making us the only 10 and one team, the underdogs at home. Just Wild. how we like it. Just how we Wild. like it. So, all right, guys, thank you so much for kicking it with us. And we will, uh, we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Peace. Go birds.